Greetings, unknown friends, and happy Mother's Day, wherever you are. This is the Sunday podcast with Greg Reese, special Mother's Day edition. And uh, the only admin I have to say is, um, so far I'm still here. Last week I, I felt like my days are numbered, and um, I'm still here. Doesn't mean I could be here, you know. I still feel like, uh, you know, who knows, obviously. I'm not uh, stupid. Um, but I will say this. Substack has cleared up the issue that I've been talking about for weeks and um, super friendly. I love them. And so this will be the last uh, Sunday podcast going out to the full email list starting next week. It will be um, paid subscribers only. And I'm sure I'll do like once a month or once every couple of months for everyone. And uh, like I said, I'll be doing more content. I have, I have a, like a handful of um, little essay things. I don't know what you call them, sh- short uh, form writings, you know, in the cooker that, are, that I'm working on that I'm really enjoying and, uh, and an endless list of, uh, of subjects to go on further. That's what I'm most excited about Substack is an opportunity for me to talk about a lot of subjects that I don't um, get around to. You know, the world is quite honestly slipping through our fingers into chaos. And so when it comes to my video reports, I try to focus primarily on anything that I think is going to be actually effective, you know, and I don't know what that is. I, I, I do my best. And, um, and so there are a lot of subjects that I avoid that I'm fascinated by just because I don't think that they take precedent. Perfect example, uh, just to make a point is, uh, I've been, uh, in my free time, I've been really fascinated with studying Atlantis and the activity going on in the in the Bahamas. If you're interested in this kind of stuff too, you could search. Here's some interesting things to search: um, Edgar Casey, Atlantis, Ernest Hemingway, Bimini, Atlantis, Ghislaine Maxwell and her submarine thing in Atlantis. And one more thing on the subject is, and I need to look into this more, but apparently there's a whole non-disclosure agreement thing that a person has to go through in order to explore under the waters in that area. So, I mean, stuff like that. That's fucking... All right, now, curse. Now, I, and I remember I decided I was going to try to stop doing that. We'll see. We'll see if I do or I don't. I'm, I'm a very uh, stubborn, um, rebellious person. But uh, hey, I, I just tried right there because it's Mother's Day and my mom used to, she washed, she washed my mouth out with soap once. And it was only once because she's, uh, she hated it. I could tell it like, I could tell she like was completely grossed out by the, you know, the, 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 the position she had to take to do that. It kind of wrecked her. Not that she's a pushover, but <clears throat> I'm just a really likable guy. You know, no one would want to have to shove soap in my mouth and torture me. It would get to the best. So anyways, uh, that's what I love about uh, the opportunity of writing on Substack. I'm going to be able to write on subjects that I find very interesting, uh, but are maybe not the most, you know, critical stories to look at to sort of uh, stop from sliding off the cliff, which is really what we're doing. Collectively, we're trying to, um, because it's not a good idea to let our people just go into total chaos. I think everyone understands that. That's kind of the subject of today's show. See, I think I've formed the habit of leaning away from the mic when I swallow and make um, disgusting mouth noises. And so I don't see any reason why I can't rise above my own ego and avoid using a, a, no, a, a language that is commonly understood to be offensive to many people. Cursing is what they call it. It's, I suppose, the respectful thing to do is to keep that language um, for just, you know, 
private occasions. See how good I am? I'm very open-minded <clears throat> and flexible. So I was going to do the subject on Mother's Day today was going to be basically um, about the ego, about how to get control over your ego, and about how if you don't get control over your ego, then you will be played and, and like a puppet, controlled easily. It's fine. And, and the fact that anyone who snickers at this, I guarantee you, is deeply controlled mentally. Now, we all are. And that's why I think it's fitting for Mother's Day special to talk about how we're all mental. All humans are mental. That's a nice way of putting it. You don't want to say crazy. You never want to call a crazy person crazy. All right. Now, a lot of people think uh, I'm smiling right now, if you can't tell. It's a joke. With the, it's a misogynistic uh, women joke. But a lot of, you know, it's understood that, you know, a lot of people will stereotype women as being crazy. Well, I would say that we're all crazy. We're all mental. The difference is women, it's more socially acceptable for women to emote, to express the, their emotions, whereas men culturally are, it's not acceptable. So a man has to learn how to manage or at least put a vent, put a tap on, that, on, the, on the emotions and, you know, stifle them and suppress them, you know, <laughs> at the very least. But we're all mental, and, and so what's the relationship between emotions and, and mind? Everything. And that's what we'll get into. I mean, and it is pretty obvious. I mean, we're kept ignorant about it, you know, which is very telling. So that's what we're going to talk about today on Mother's Day. We're going to talk about uh, Happy Mother's Day, by the way. Let's, let's, get, let's be real about that. Um, you know, a good friend of mine just had a child yesterday, day before Mother's Day. So Happy Mother's Day to you if you're listening. And Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And Happy Mother's Day to all of us because we entered this world in our little skin suits by through the portal of our mother's womb you know how bizarre is that like and when we come into this world as little kids we're we're like blown away and fascinated by everything you know everything we put our hands on and we you know, we're like wow 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 you know and uh, and then a lot of us get over that and we become used to this life but there's no reason to get used to this life i mean Everything is still fascinating. Everything is still completely bizarre and sparkly and like mysterious. Just because we see things every day doesn't mean we have any clue as to what's going on here. I don't know. You know, not everyone asks that question and never, not everyone has that curiosity, but I always have. I've never not had the, the question of what's going on here. And so... Um, from that point, after 51 years of, of seeking and asking that, I've never met anyone who knows, you know. I've met other people that are also seeking and asking and that have their theories. But that's the beauty of it is, is nobody knows. And so how weird is that? that? That's how we enter this realm is through like a portal inside of a woman's pelvis. You know? A little unfortunate for the woman, but God does have a sense of humor. And some women love it. I, um, I've met women who have had multiple babies and say it's become like their favorite thing. I've read about, um, you know, if you read, there's... <laughs> It's a little crazy, but uh, I think Dr. Lilly in Russia with dolphins as dolphin midwives, women would give birth while dolphins were there, like scanning their bellies and stuff. And women would describe having like orgasms while giving birth rather than pain. That seems, I mean, I'm, 
I, I think there, there could be a happy medium, you know, like just a pleasant experience. That would be nice. But anyways, happy Mother's Day. My mother passed in 2017, and I was very, very fortunate to be able to be by her side in hospice so that I could just, you know, talk to her real about it, you know? Like, I was able to talk to her about dying and stuff on her, um, on her, uh, what, what am I trying to say? You know, on her, it was her discussion. You know, I was able there to, like, answer questions with her and discuss with her and... It was great. I mean, that's, that's what's cool. My mom was, my mom's cool, you know. My, my mom has always been cool with death, uh, which is a, probably a big part of me being cool with death. You know, I never had a real hang-up on death. I've, I went through death meditations and found that it, I didn't need much. Like, I was already, you know, I remember growing up, like, hearing my mom idealize like what her perfect death would be and stuff like that. And it, and it was always changing, you know, as she would get older, it would, it would change, but death was always on the, not always, but you know, I'm, you know, not always. My mom was mostly just an emotional, uh, sweetheart. She was fun. She was playful. She was cute. And she was an emotional wreck. You know, <laughs> uh, I remember she found condoms in my, pants pocket in the laundry when I was probably 15 and um, she like couldn't look at me she like was locked herself in the bedroom crying her eyes out and my, my father had to come up and talk to me and um, you know sweet I mean that's emotional wreck I guess when it came to her children but she, uh, she was also, uh, in, her, in her later years, she got a job at um, the Home Depot. She didn't need to. She, she you know, her, my father was able to take care of her, but she, want, she liked to have her own money and her own jobs. And she spent every penny, every paycheck she spent on tools. And so she built this incredible, uh, incredible carpentry setup, workshop. And became very good, like made some, you know, some skillful, you know, high-end type carpentry drawers. And I mean, that's what she was doing. She was actually, she was challenging herself, you know, like what's the most, what's the hardest thing for a carpenter to do? And then she would, she would do it until she was able to do it. And then she'd move on to the next thing, you know, that kind of thing. A very cool lady. And my favorite, one of my favorite memories about her today is, um, you know, I didn't get a lot of support from the rest of the family. Growing up, my, and I've always been kind of who I am right now. You know, you see these videos I'm making. I've always been talking about um, things that I think are interesting. And they haven't changed much. They've become more political-based in the past several years because I never really looked at that before in the past. But they were always, um, they always were. They just were, you know, more historical. Um, but, you know, most of the family were, you know, at one point Republican, but, you know, as a result of Dick Cheney and Barack Obama, they're all liberal CNNers, and it's unfortunate. But, you know, most of my life I grew up, it was them calling me, telling me shut up, or, you know, or I'm dumb, or I got it all wrong, or they get emotional. They would be emotionally triggered by suggestions that I would make, and and, uh, and that would get to me, and that's what we're about to get into. Whereas my mom wouldn't. You know, my mom would, every time I would get deep, her ears would prick up and she'd give me full attention. And it wasn't just like, you know, motherly love attention. She was genuinely like interested in what I had to say. She thought I was an interesting, smart guy. And so she was always interested to hear what I had to say. And that was cool. I really appreciated that. Anyways, one of, um, one of my most interesting, memorable moments with her, and it was probably, it was around, I was an old man. I was a man. I was 36. It was probably around 2006. 
and I was um, waking up to all this stuff that's happening right now. This was in 2004. I kind of woke up to it all. And I don't know, I don't know how it came up, but somehow I mentioned how I would love to sacrifice myself for humanity, you know, like, like Christ did in some way, in some small, in some small way of my own. I would love to make that ultimate sacrifice for the, you know. And her reaction is what I'm bringing this up for, because I mentioned that to her and she just lit up like with approval. Yeah. Uh, an agreement and, and like, and almost as if, it, you know, I don't know exactly, I don't even know if she's, it was basically she said that would make me more proud than anything else in the world. That would be, you would be a really good boy <laughs> if you would sacrifice yourself for all of humanity. So I think that story right there illustrates a little bit of my personality as well as my mother's personality. So, Mom, I love you. I still talk to my mom all the time. You know, I, uh, my mother lost a son when I was eight. He was, uh, he was less than a year old when he died, and it wrecked her. And uh, it kind of wrecked the whole family. But what it did for me at age eight was it made me realize that death is not the end. You know, I was, uh, I never felt the loss. I, you know, I was, I remember holding him. I was young, but I was excited about having a brother. I already had two sisters. So I remember feeling very close to my brother before he died. And then after he died, I never felt like I, I, I still felt him, you know, and I still talked to him like, you know, like I was when he was alive. The only difference was the body wasn't there to hold, you know. So, mental illness is synonymous with living in ignorance. And ignorance of our mind, because our mind is really what makes us human. Now, there is something to be said, I think, about um, living more like the animals in a sense of, you know, the animals aren't mental. They're not mental cases. They're not worrying about, you know, they're not stressing and worrying about the future or the past. They're just looking for that next little nut or a drink of water or, or kill or whatever to keep them alive for that next moment. But we're not animals. We are, we have, we're mental, right? We have a mental capacity that is far beyond the other creatures that are living amongst us that we're aware of. And I think just based on this alone, it seems to be a fair assumption that that is our struggle. Our struggle is, you know, if we're here to learn, which I believe we are, I don't know if you believe in reincarnation, Reincarnation, uh, we know that reincarnation was originally in the Gospels and it was kept out. This is, you know, documented and recorded. Uh, the reasons it was kept out, uh, who knows? Some people can say, I think the accepted uh, traditional mainstream ex excuse is it's just uh, too radical for people to deal with. But, you know, a lot of people... Um, and it's not just in the spiritual teachings. I've talked to people that just feel this in their gut, that we're stuck here, that we just keep coming back and we keep coming back and we keep coming back. And, uh, you know, the, the people that are mental about it or more mental about it on a, on a bad day might say, 
and I've been there too, that it's just a heartless, disgusting meat grinder of pain and suffering <laughs> that just keeps going on and on and on and on and on. Uh, on a good day, um, though, I do believe that there is a absolute purpose for it. I do believe, first of all, I, I, I am open to, I, I realize that I don't know. I do realize that it's all a big mystery. But there is a, a purpose to knowledge, which is, what we're, which is kind of the main subject of today's show, or the main, the, uh, the main um, outcome. <laughs> So you can't just ignore the mind. If you try to just ignore the mind, then you're still going to end up in traps and pitfalls and walk off a cliff, potentially. The mind is extremely potent. And the only way you're not going to grow and evolve, like the only way... <laughs> The only, the only reason that you could possibly be here without the intention of, of evolving and growing in some way is if that's God's intention for you. To, like for some reason, God just doesn't want you to, God just wants you to stagnate and stay as you are. And I don't believe that. I believe that the main purpose of this whole experience is experience. And what is experience but a learning process? And once one experiences something and learns something, then they change. And that is the one constant in this physical reality that we live in is change. That is the only thing that you could say is that we know and that is predictable. And we, you, that's the only thing you know for That's like the only certain thing is change. Everything's changing. So if you don't like what's happening right now, don't worry. It's going to change. And if, you, and if you love what's happening now, then really appreciate it and, uh, and don't take it for granted because it's going to change. And so it, it makes sense to me that the entire purpose of us being here right now is to stop being mental, you know? And how do we do that is to learn how to handle it, how to handle the mind. And one could even argue, see, here's the thing is, uh, where I differ from a lot of people is, and I don't know about a lot of people, but everyone's got their own beliefs. To me, it's pretty clear, even in the Bible, that evil is a creation of God with a distinct purpose. Which means it's not a bad thing. It just is what it is. It's an adversary. It's an opposing force. It serves a purpose. And so it makes sense that that purpose is to challenge us mentally. So I mentioned emotions. How are they the same? Well, everything's mental. All right. The, um, the soul resides in our endocrine system, in our nervous system, not in our, like a lot of people think we are our brain. Our brain is just simply a part of this nervous system. Like in order for the soul to inhabit the body, it needs this electrical system known as the endocrine system that comes all the way from our groin up to our crown. Glands. It's an electrical system. Electrochemical. And the... You could call it the ego. It doesn't matter what you call it. But we are all aware of this noisy part of our brain, of our mind. The chatter. Mental chatter. Some people call it the monkey mind. One of my favorite descriptions is like a dog. Like a dog, if you don't train your dog, then it's just, it becomes hyper. 
neurotic and it's just chaotic all the time. And if you do train your dog, it becomes uh, behaved and, and, or, and well-mannered, bringing order into your life. And the dog's happier. Everyone's happy. And so the lower mind uh, seeks dominance, which is where we see dominance being sought after in the external world. That's exactly what that is. The lower mind wants to be you. So I'll speak for myself. Growing up for many years, um, you're, you don't even, I mean, I guess I questioned it uh, because I was always questioning what my spirit was, right? So I'm fortunate in the sense that, that I never really believed that I was the mind. I mean, I was tricked for many years. Like self-identity, you know, we're in this world now of uh, identity politics and stuff like that. But we, that's us, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, that's like a, what, the identity politics is really, it's, it's, it's weaponized simply because we're mental. We're already mental, you know. So it's easy for us to be tricked, especially when it comes to something like identity. Like, who are you? Are you the, I mean... Your body is definitely male or female. There's no argument there. But are you? Is that who you are? That's a very good exercise to practice. Asking yourself, who am I? And, and if, you're a, if you're a real mental person, right? If you're a very, if you're a thinker, that's a good way of, it's a good way of meditation just to turn that thinking around and shine a light on your mind and question like, what, what is this chatter? What is this nonstop monkey chatter? Is that me? Cause if that's me, then am I a mental case? Because that thing won't shut up and it's clearly a mental case. I think if we're being honest about our monkey mind, we would, we would have to admit that it's completely insane, but that's not who we are. That's, that's just our, like a computer system that, or, or better yet a dog that hasn't been trained. And if it's trained, it operates more like a, you know, like a computer system for the body. It has its purposes. And you can, if it's trained properly and you, and you ever need to go on autopilot, then it's there. But you might find when you're meditating and you're asking yourself, who am I? You might notice a part of you that is always there. And that is always observing everything that you're doing. And that is always quiet. Just quietly looking, observing. Without an opinion. You know? That's the other quality of our ego mind is our ego mind. That's all our ego mind really has is opinions. And when it's incessantly chattering and, and trying to keep our attention with thoughts and, and, and spirals of noise, <laughs> that's really all it's ever doing at any given time is expressing its opinion. And it's either, it's a simple opinion. It's I like this or I don't like that. Basically, all the noise in our minds can be distilled down to that single pole of preference. You know what they say about opinions. And so when you start observing this, and the, you know, the ways you can do it is by, you know, there are different methods of focusing on your breath or doing things to try to quiet the mind down. But one simple way of doing it is just simply, rather than getting spaced out and lost in the spiral of thought, focus your, this, this part of you that quietly observes without judgment, 
Just uh, allow that to, and it's, it's already observing you. It's always observing. Just focus on it. And, and focus on the, the actual thoughts. Like give, allow, don't fight the thoughts and don't argue with the thoughts. Allow them, allow your mind to express it to you. And by doing that, you might find that it makes your mind shut up because ultimately our mind is an idiot. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the mind can disprove something and prove something. The same thing. That's, that's why debates are, so, are, are what they are. It's because it doesn't even matter. There is no right or wrong when it comes to the mental sphere. What can be right can also be made wrong when it's all mental. That's materialism. Right, so emotion. When people are emotionally triggered, this is a good way of, of expressing the relationship between emotions and the mind. The word triggered, we all understand. And unless you're an exceptional master of the mind, you know what it's like to be triggered. And maybe you don't. Maybe you just know that you get triggered and it's a mystery. Well, I'll solve the mystery right now if you haven't figured it already. Here's, here's what it is. Someone will say something that triggers your memory, your mind. Words that someone speaks or their actions will trigger a memory in your mind that reminds you of a certain thing that you have, a, you have an opinion on, right? We were talking about preferences and opinions. And usually when you get triggered, it's, it's triggering a certain thing that you have an aversion to, a strong aversion and when that person says that word or does that thing that reminds you of this thing that you have a strong aversion to, then it triggers an emotion, an emotional response, an ugly emotional response, but an emotional response nonetheless. Now, my, my opinion is this is a sign of mental illness, and we all get triggered. So what does that mean? It means we're all mentally ill. And we need to realize that's what we're here to learn. We're here to learn to not be a bunch of insane people, you know? And hey, uh, to be fair, it's like trial by fire, you know? So you don't beat yourself up. It, who cares if we're mental cases? That's, I mean, how, how, are we, how could we possibly not be mental cases when dealing with the situation we're in? Because the other thing is, is, is we're being lied to, like... That we're living in a in a in a world where everything is upside down. Like, like if we lived in a golden age, we would be learning about our mental stuff in kindergarten. They'd be teaching kindergartners about the complexities of the mind, about uh, the, the the lower minds um, sort of uh, occupation as the opinionator and the judger. You know, in the higher mind's occupation is the observer. And all these things. And the idea is to become a master of your own mind so that you're not a slave, you know? Or so that you can actually survive in a world without becoming a slave. Because right now, we're living in a world where you're being offered the, the, uh, the servitude. You know, you're being offered this position of ignorance and, and, and um, submission. You don't have to accept it. But we've been so dumbed down in, in every way. And most importantly, I think, with our, with our minds. We, they, they've not just ignored our mental illness. They've offered us not solutions to overcome it, but um, they're just offering us opportunities to become deeper distracted by it, you know. They're just offering us these opportunities of how to, here, be like this person who's completely, you know, be like a Hollywood movie star, completely obsessed with yourself, completely obsessed with 
superficial things, right? Because what, what that does is it strengthens this insane belief that you are this opinion maker. The opinion maker is not you. The ego is not you. It's this part of your body. So if you go online and you look up emotions, this is interesting, I think. I just did this before the show, making my notes. And you can find different lists, the, the list of 12 emotions, the list of 20 emotions. But there's, uh, I, I wanted to narrow it down to what they're teaching in, in the, in the dumbed-down school system, right? And I think this is the closest thing. Six. <laughs> and it's all, it's bullshit. So here's the uh, types of basic emotions. Happiness, sadness, fear, disgust, anger, surprise. Now, this is, uh, this is how you might describe the emotions of an animal. <laughs> and even then you're getting it wrong, you know, now that we're talking. It's almost how you would describe the emotions as someone who's completely ignorant as to the power of these emotions. And that is where I think this whole mental world is about. The, or that's the whole point of this process we're in right now of learning the mental world. It's learning the power of these emotions. Emotions are very powerful. They're not just there to like reflect our emotions. Or I mean reflect our opinions, right? That's not... Uh, what our emotions are, are for. In fact, that's what makes us crazy. When we allow ourselves to get emotional because we see something that we don't like, that's a sign of weakness. That's a sign of, um, of mental illness. You do have to learn to get a grip on your emotions. In my opinion, that's my opinion. So, honest question, what is humility and what is gratitude? In my opinion, these are emotions, and I don't see how they can't be. Let's take humility first. Humility, I have only really experienced with God. And what do I mean by that? I mean, when I, when I F up so bad, see what I just did there? I'm pretty, I'm a good guy. When I F up so bad that I, um, and I haven't done this in many years, thank God, because I've grown. But when I was younger, even as a young man, when I would fail and stumble and fall and, and end up in a, in a stupid, miserable situation that I, re that, I, that I finally come to realize was just all my own doing. It was a, my own stupid, clumsy mistakes that got me there. Because I had a relationship with God, I would experience this humility with God. I would experience, you know, like, in some cases, tears. The emotion was so strong, humility, on my knees, humbled before God. So what is that? Let me look at these six emotions. What's humility? Is it happiness? Nope. Sadness? No. Fear? Nope. Surprise? Nope. Anger? Nope. Disgust? Nope. The closest thing you could put it here is sadness, but it's nothing like sadness. It's not even on this list. But anyone who has experienced what I'm talking about, and I don't even know if I could really describe it that well, but if anyone has ever, you know, completely surrendered themselves to God with total humility and almost like a desperate surrender 
Maybe surrender is a better word. But that's what I'm getting at. Where you give up and you just say, and, you, and it's like you fall back and, and, and just hope that God catches you. It's not even, it's beyond even hope. It's just complete surrender. I give up. I've done, I, I can't, I've screwed it all up. I give up, right? If anyone can relate to what I'm talking about, you understand there's a feeling. There is an emotion that you are, an energy. I feel it in my solar plexus, in my chest. And I wouldn't, I don't see it listed here, these basic emotions. Point being is in my experience looking back, and I have, I have, I'm a stubborn person. My story, I wrote all about my story. I don't plug my book. I, you know, I always say I don't plug my book, but I guess I'm plugging it all the time now. I wrote a book about my whole life, if you're interested, uh, called Sex, Drugs, and Ohm. That's spelled O-M. You can find that on Amazon. There's an audio book as well. But my life is nothing to brag about. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a fool, the life of a fool. So I know all about clumsiness and making mistakes and and ending up in stupid and repeating, you know, I'd like, you know, luckily I don't repeat many things, but I definitely have repeated mistakes. And so if it wasn't for my humility, looking back, that emotion was able to, um, get my ego mind under control you know, to stop me from making a fatal decision <laughs> and to ultimately turn my life around towards the better. I don't think that would have been possible without the emotion or whatever it is known as humility or surrender. Maybe it's surrender, humility. I think it's, I think you get what I'm talking about. The other superpower emotion is gratitude. Now, if you look at this list of basic emotions, I suppose gratitude would fall under happiness. But I, once again, I don't, I don't think it's on the list at all. I think it's, I think they, it's deliberately kept off the list to keep us all mental stupid because gratitude is okay so let me finish up with humility in my experience humility requires faith you know like the alcoholics anonymous 12 strip 12-step program will even tell you if you do, if you have a problem with god if you're an atheist and stuff like that whatever get over it just Manifest faith in a power greater than yourself. And I think that's required to have humility and surrender. Am I wrong? How could you surrender to nothing? Ah, I, suppose, I suppose it's semantics. I suppose one could argue that nothing is just a way of describing the, <clears throat> the all and everything. So uh, before I move on, I want to point out that the humility is sort of requires a faith type perspective relationship. Gratitude is something that you that also almost requires this faith type relationship. And gratitude is a superpower that can, whereas humility and surrender can save your life and turn your life around into the right direction, gratitude can just make everything easier and better, right? Like the more you can actually conjure the feeling, and it's more than happiness, 
the emotion that comes with um, gratitude of, of, of really emotionally, like really just being grateful. It's very easy for me to be grateful every day for the past several years because I'm, I'm used to such a struggle in my life internally. I'm used to being a mental case that uh, I've, now that I have achieved a, a, a basic level of balance, um, it's very easy for me every day to be grateful. And that is a superpower because the more of, the more of that emotion that you're able to spin up out of your heart and you can feel once again this is a, an emotion i feel in my chest and my solar plexus the more you're able to cultivate that emotion the emotion of gratitude you're going to well it's it's almost like you're 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 opening a valve up bringing more of that into your life this is not necessarily always a good thing it's it could be a challenging thing as well but it's usually a good thing, if we're going to be honest about it. I think most of us can handle the things that we're here to experience, that we want to experience. And if you really get into, like, occult, witchcraft, all that stuff, which, you know, I think it's... Um, you know, I don't trust anyone. <laughs> People. The only, the, only, the only thing I trust in this world is God. And I also know that my mind, I also know that I'm mental. And I also know that, um, you know, my mind is constantly, my mind wants to pretend it's God. So I, I have to always, so, so I'm not always getting a clear, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. It's tricky. So I don't really, you know, have any other choice, just like many of us, where I think you, the, the best thing to do is to get a full 360-degree perspective of what's going on. I don't believe in staying ignorant. I also don't believe in playing with fire. So yeah, when it gets into the occult, I hear a lot of critiques. A lot of people believe you're supposed to just, like almost like monk, like uh, what is the, the, the three monkeys, see nothing, do nothing, say nothing, whatever. When it comes to the occult, I don't. I think that just makes you ignorant and easy to be played a sucker, in my opinion. Unless you're completely removed from it and you're not worried about it, in which case that's fine. But I like to know what what people are doing and why they're doing it. And when you look into occult practices, uh, this is basically all they're doing is they're they're using these emotions. Because the emotions are powerful. They're powers. They create, they're, they're, they're affecting the, the reality. They're like on a, on, a, on a quantum level. And that's like where, why they wear um, robes and burn incense. Is it's to trick the mind into remembering the state of emotion. It's to, it's to make it easier to, to bring about that human energy, emotion. So that's why we're all mental cases is because uh, we have this wild emotional chemistry. You know, I mean, am I wrong? Is that, I mean, that's basically what's going on, right? And I do think the best, my favorite, my favorite uh, um, state of being for a person is stoic, you know, quiet <laughs> um, and still. And that's what I aspire to be. I can be certainly manic and hyper. My mind is definitely manic and hyper. Uh, it's way more calm and stoic than it was when I was younger. Like I've... I've, I've spent a lot of time managing it myself, but I'm not a master of my mind. You know, I am still mental. 
I still have to, you know, struggle with it and deal with it. That's one of the reasons why I, I, I have one of my main habits in life is to question myself and to call myself out for being an idiot in a, in a loving way. And I've learned to do that um, at a young age because it, it, it's expedient. It speeds things up, right? The longer you sit around as an egomaniac, blaming others, afraid to look at your own flaws, you're just wasting time. You're burning time up. That's valuable time that you could get on to figuring out what the hell you did wrong so you don't do it again. So I've gotten very good at, you know, when something goes haywire, the first thing I'll, I'll question is myself, you know, because it's the most expedient thing. What did I do wrong? Are you influenced by other people's words? That's kind of mental, isn't it? And yet we all are. I'll speak for myself. Uh, you know, I read, I read the comments on, um, because I like to keep an open mind, I like to learn, I like feedback. So I read the comments on, on all my videos and stuff like that, or I try to. And there's some nasty ones out there. People like to express their opinion to, to complete strangers, you know, about if they, if they find me preferential or not. Right? Because that's what the mind does. I don't like that. I like that. I don't like that. I like that. I love that. I hate that. That's too much like this. That's too much like that. We all do it. And it's very effective. In fact, it's probably the most valuable part of my process as a creative artist. When I'm making music or videos, I rely upon that part of my mind to sculpt and to polish. You know, I, my mind is, if my mind says I don't like it, then I, ch I keep molding until I find something that my mind is like, yes, I like that. That's what that mind is for. It's not to uh, extend upon others, <laughs> unless it's your child. And even then, I think you need to keep somewhat of a balance. But I've never had a child, so I can't really speak on that. And on Mother's Day, I won't. But yeah, words are powerful. And once again, when someone expresses their words to you, all they're expressing is their opinion. They're challenging your opinion. They're just expressing, ah, I don't, my mind doesn't agree with that. My mind thinks this. Does that persuade you at all? I think if you're to be honest, you'd say yes to some degree. You know, it's a, the, the real question is, is to what level are you able to overcome that? Because that's another uh, great weakness of our mental capacity. And I believe this is because we share our mind, I think. I think the mind is connected. This is how we're able to read each other's minds to certain degrees, some more than others, because some are more aware of it than others. But it's, it's almost like the internet. The internet was an invention created off of something that already naturally exists. So we do have our own unique minds, but we also have this network mind, and that's why we're able to affect each other and persuade each other and mind control each other. It's not that hard. We're easily, and it's because of the way we respond, really. Like, I might read a comment that's picking me apart and for, for just being a horrible, rotten person. <clears throat> and my mind might react, might get triggered and be like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? <laughs> you know, but thankfully it doesn't last because I'm able to, I realize that that's not me. I realize that's just my mind. And the mind is like that. The mind will get sad. It'll take everything personal. But once you realize that, that that's not you, that's just your computer system, then you don't need to get personal about anything. And you can remain a stoic individual and be at your most effective to those around you, which is really ultimately, I think the goal is to gain complete control over your mind so that you can then be of service to all the mental cases around us, you know? And even when you make yourself a little less mental, you can then start helping those around, because we're all, we're, we're all struggling with it. 
And the worst part is those of us who aren't even trying, who fall complete victim to the mind and become psychopaths and sociopaths, their mind is now in control. And so that becomes very predictable. They're going to cannibalize and devour everyone around them because that is the mind. The mind is not meant to be in control. If the mind is in control, then uh, it also allows outside influence. And I don't like, once again, people talk about spiritual possession. I really don't think there's that much of a difference between that and what we're talking about. If there is, explain it to me. Because what we're talking about is all, it's all vibration and energy. Spirit. It's invisible stuff, right? Invisible reality. (laughs) Are you influenced by people's opinions? I remember uh, the game that was played in grade school of like, do you like, you know, an older kid would trick you into saying uh, some band. Oh, you like that band? You know, oh, yeah, they're cool. You think they're cool? Oh, I think they suck. And they try to make you flip your opinion right on them. I think I've seen it in movies. It's kind of interesting, right? The mind wants to be accepted. And this is how the media gets you. This is how the media, main, this is the main power that they have is to trick you into thinking, this is what everyone thinks. Look, these people think it. These people think it. The, the nighttime television hosts think it. The Hollywood actors think it. The, the daytime hosts. I mean, how? Obviously, everyone thinks this way. And so if you want to be popular... You need to think this way, too. David Icke, he was the first person I, I remember who said this. When I, I read it in 2004, I remember reading David Icke talking about the greatest power that he ever experienced was letting go of what people think about him. And I've experienced that in my life, and I would agree. That has definitely been the most powerful experience of my life is not caring anymore what other people's opinions are of me. But that wasn't always the case for a while. I was, I was triggered emotionally because I wanted to, it's like I wanted to be, I was more like a person who wanted to become invisible. I, I, I guess you could say I'm a hermit. Some people would say, um, oh, I'm trying to think of the word uh, for people who like to stay alone and isolate. I can't think of it. But I'm sure a lot of people are saying it out loud right now. Introvert, thank you. Um, it's just simply to be away from other people's energies because they're so uh, influential and it's almost easier to just be away from them. But it's certainly good to learn how to deal with it, build your own firewalls. That's kind of what meditation is all about. Meditation is just a way of protecting yourself, uh, having control over your mind and realizing that you're not your ego. You're not your personality. You are in a mortal spirit that is strange and mysterious and, uh, quiet and very observant. (laughs) But these are things that we really, you're not going to learn any of this from hearing someone else's opinions. Uh, These are things that all need to be experienced. And, I highly, and if you haven't experienced this yet, I highly recommend trying to shut your mind up, trying to shut up that monkey mind. It takes practice, but it's not that hard. And then see what you see, what you observe, you know. The mind is also very feminine. This is the only other thing I have in my notes, and I guess we'll wrap things up with this, is once again, one of the valuable things I think one can glean from symbology when you get into like mystery schools and you know, the history of, uh, you know, of knowledge is that um, we live in a very gender-based reality. (laughs) That's almost the theme of physical reality. So it's extremely subversive and destructive for the commies to try to take gender out of reality. That's kind of why they're doing it, because it's 
the most central part of physicality. You know, like we said at the beginning of the show, we, we, all, we all enter this world through the portal, through some mysterious magical portal in our, in our mother's womb. Ah, a lot of biologists and doctors might there go, it's not mysterious. We know that it's their egg and the sperm is all, really. Let's go further then, okay? Because you don't have to go that far to, to get to the unknown. Yeah, we know that there's a sperm and we know there's an egg. What what do we really know? Not much. And so the mind, and this is another, this is a great way to wrap it up. And this is a great, to, to explain why I, I think it's a good subject on Mother's Day to talk about our mental state, is uh, it's feminine. The mind is considered um, feminine. And it's not that complicated. Basically, a feminine is a receptor the feminine is, is, is a source of, that receives and cultivates, and, and whereas the masculine is the source of projection, of seeding. You know, it's pretty simple stuff. Like the uh, dreams, the astral world that we go to when we dream, this is feminine. Water, the waters, the moon. People use the word goddess all the time now. That's nonsense. That's a way of diverting people's um, attention away from true knowledge, in my opinion. You can even say that about... Uh, I mean, the, the, the only way where, where goddess really f factors into it is when you get into the idea that God is a... Is a by, is, is the way we understand um, everything in physicality is through this sort of feminine masculine. But that's just a way, really, of, uh, of understanding how everything is. And once again, here's, here's the thing about the importance of, the importance of, of knowledge is so that our preferential minds has more information to have its formulate its opinions on things. For example, some situations in life might not be very pleasant, but they're very good for you. And through lack of knowledge, you might avoid those situations forever and never get that benefit. But you might have some knowledge or information that you get that you realize, well, hmm, maybe I, maybe I just ought to experience this even though it doesn't feel good. That's where really some of the best stuff comes from is, is, is going through suffering, being able to suffer in order to learn and evolve and overcome things is really where the greatest achievements come and growth. And I don't really believe anyone's intended to stay stagnant and ignorant. I don't think that's what we're here for. So that's it, I guess. And um, I want to wrap it up on a positive note. I think it's been fairly positive. You know, the positive thing is that if we can, if we can get through this very crazy time that we're in, which is really a man, what we're experiencing now is almost like the pinnacle of, of our mental illness that's now acting itself out on the world stage. You know, like we were talking about, or like I was talking about, how they, basically that's the lower, if the lower mind is allowed to take control of the identity, if you, if you convince yourself, if you identify with that part of you, that part of you that's always chatting in your head, if you identify with that and you say, oh, that's me, that's who I am, you will go insane and you will hurt other people. 
and that's what's happening all around us are, are people that are that have just assumed that identity which is understandable because that's what that mind is constantly trying to sell right constantly try um overcoming it and you're going to find it how clever it really is like it will it will adapt it will see what you're after like if you set a moral standard some high ethical moral standard of a you know what some people call a spiritual ego which is there is a higher part of your mind still part of your ego but it's a part of your ego that wants to wants to you know do the right thing then it will trick you into thinking that that's you you know and y'all you've did it now you're enlightened you know so long as you give in to its madness, right? But the good news is, is if we can, over, if we can survive all this chaos, that's really all we got to focus on is mental illness. And we can do that. It's not that hard. And we're already doing it. Because think about, like, I believe this is all happening for a reason. And I believe there, it could have happened with all of us being asleep, Right? Because that was the goal. Think about it. Decades and decades, generations being trained to, um, to just go along with this. And look at how effective it, it has been on some people. But for whatever reason, the grace of God, there are enough of us that at least understand that there is a problem that we're, and that we're willing to do the right thing that there is a great glimmer of hope in all this that while life might get harder and more difficult it's going to get better and richer and more meaningful and better for our children and our grandchildren which is ultimately the goal right to leave this place better to be better today than we were individually yesterday, to, pro, you know, to, to improve ourselves and to improve our environment. Happy Mother's Day, and thank you for listening. And uh, I'll see you for the paid subscribers. I will see you next week. Have a great week. Bye-bye.